Welcome to the Grace Point Church Podcast. Here at GPC, we want you to know God, love people, and live sent. From wherever you're listening, we hope you're encouraged by this week's message. If you want to learn more about Grace Point, head over to gracepointchurch.net. And now, this week's message. Hello, my name is Asa Wolnoffer, and I'll be reading 2 Peter 1, 3 through 12. God's power has given us everything we need to... God's power has given us everything we need to lead a godly life. All of this has come to us because we know the God who chose us. He chose us because of his own glory and goodness. He has also given us a very great and valuable promises. He did it so you could share in his nature. You can share in it because you've escaped from the evil in the world. This evil is caused by sinful desires. So you should try very hard to add goodness to your faith. To goodness, add knowledge. To knowledge, add the ability to control yourselves. To the ability to control yourselves, add the strength to keep going. To the strength to keep going, add godliness. To godliness, add kindness for one another. And to kindness to one another, add love. All these things should describe you more and more. They will make you useful and fruitful, as you know our Lord Jesus Christ better. But what if these things don't describe someone at all? then that person can't see very well. In fact, they are blind. They have forgotten that their past sins have been washed away. My brothers and sisters, try very hard to show that God has appointed you to be saved. Try hard to show that he has chosen you. If you do everything I have just said, you will never trip and fall. You receive a rich welcome into the kingdom that lasts forever. It is this kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So I will also... I will always remind you of these things. I'll do it even though you know them. I'll do it even though you now have deep roots in the truth. Thank you. Ah, Asa, good job, man. You know, it's really nerve-wracking to get up here and to read and to talk. And so, man, brother, I feel your nervousness, but you just did awesome. Hey, listen, um, my name is Lori McDaniel, and I am not the pastor here at this church. (laughs) So if you are a guest with us, welcome to Grace Point Church. My husband is the pastor here at this church, and he simply just asked me if on Mother's Day, if I would be willing to share a message with you. We have been doing this parenting series for the last few weeks, talking about everything from fathers to discipline, to conversations that we have with our children. And today, I know it will shock you that I want to focus somewhat on mothers. So here's the thing in this parenting series. We, my husband and I, we would be the first ones to tell you this, that we are not flawless parents. And right behind that, did I just hear my kids say amen? I'm sure... (laughs) Because I feel like right behind that, my kids would strongly highlight and underscore and say, this is absolute truth. They are not flawless people. But I do know this, that as we speak to you from the word of God, and even from the experiences that we've had, that we have endured what many of you in this room have endured. You've endured the two hour, every two hour feedings with infants and sleepless nights, of buying never ending supply of diapers while struggling financially, of a toddler, one of our toddlers, who put a grilled cheese into the video player and another toddler who short-circuited the computer system in our minivan by inserting a quarter into the DVD player. 
We've had beans stuck up the nose, gum stuck in the hair. We parented a five-year-old child who said he wanted to become a follower of Christ, but we weren't really sure he was mature enough until he began witnessing to his older sister, telling her that if she didn't believe, she was going to hell. We've parented living far away from family, and we have parented living close by family. We have endured surgeries and midnight vomiting and malaria and something called cat scratch fever. We've had new schools, private schools, homeschool, public school. We've done the chore charts, the memory verse charts. Sometimes they were filled in and often forgotten. We've dealt with autoimmune diseases, depression, anxiety, dyslexia, bullying, and lying. We've had kids who tried out for teams and made the teams and tried out for teams and did not make the team. We have had school projects, driving tests, speeding tickets, car wrecks, phone monitoring, dealing with pornography, and also a kid with an anger issue who cut a screen or cut into a window screen with a knife and then blamed it on the cat. We've had school dances and high school romances, and we've dealt with a child who announced that she was not absolutely never going to college, only to go to college twice. We've launched three, and now we're free. And so today, here's what I know that many sitting in this room here on Mother's Day is that there are married moms, stepmoms, single moms, host school moms, soccer moms, taxi moms, moms who work outside the homes, moms who work in the home, overbearing moms, grieving moms, nursing moms, overwhelmed moms, stay-at-home moms, depressed moms, overwhelmed moms, overdriven moms, and empty nest moms. And we are raising prodigy children, newborn children, problem children, stepchildren, grandchildren, adopted children, foster children, strong-willed children, hyperactive children, shy children, differently abled children, needy children, preschool children, and know-it-all children. And we desire to clothe everyone and diaper everyone and wipe everyone and drive everyone and read to everyone and cook for everyone, feed everyone and be there for everyone and hug everyone and love everyone and listen to everyone and have fun with everyone and pray for everyone, forgive everyone, raise everyone and pray with everyone when we tuck them in bed at night. We try to meet everyone's demands, wash everyone's hands, teach them to follow all God's commands, We want to take time to play with the boys in the sand, to make daily plans, be patient in the unplanned, buy all the breast brands, and teach our children to listen when they misunderstand. Did I miss anything? And men, you wonder when your wife comes to bed at night that she rolls over? Like, she's exhausted. And I want to, this is going to be an active crowd today. Lots of amens going on. And here's the thing that I know, moms, that even when you go to bed at night, you still have thoughts going through your head of all the things that you didn't accomplish, of the stress that you feel, the questions you can't answer, and you find yourself asking, am I enough? Am I doing it right? And so what I want to do today is we're going to open up a passage of Scripture. And the thing is, is this passage of Scripture isn't necessarily spoken to moms. It's spoken to all believers. But here's what I want to do is I want to use it as a platform, moms, to remind you of who you are and whose you are. And that, yes, every day and every little moment, that you spend does matter. So we're going to be looking at Second Peter, which Asa just read so brilliantly for us. We're going to be looking at Second Peter chapter 1. 
And Peter is writing to these people, reminding them, encouraging them to remember. And you're going to hear that in his words. In verse 12, it says this, Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. What he's saying is this, is look, I want to remind you actually of truth that you already know. What was taking place is there was this group of believers who they believed in God, they believed in the sovereignty of God, but they were being lulled away that they had no responsibility in their maturity in God. And so what would happen would be these false teachers would come into the church and it could be something like this little sneaky little truth that it was like, well, if Jesus really was going to come back again, wouldn't he already come back again? And so when they believed in God, they began to live like, well, maybe Jesus isn't going to come back again. Well, if he's not going to come back again, then there's not going to be a judgment day. Well, if there's not going to be a judgment day, then I can live however I want to live. And so Peter is writing them. And when he does, he's echoing the words even of a letter that a guy named Jude wrote. Jude said this. He said, dear friends, I have been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation that we all share, but... But now I find that I must write about something else, urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once and for all to his holy people. And I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into the churches. When Peter is writing this, likely he is writing from Rome in prison under the emperor of Nero who had the reputation of being cruel and putting Christians to death. And I think that's why he says in verse 13, he says, I think it right as long as I'm in this body to, I love these words, to stir you up by way of reminder. Since I know that the putting off of this body will be soon. So listen, it is my intent today, especially to moms, but really anyone can apply this message But it is my intent today to really kind of give you some straight talk. But in that straight talk, I intend to encourage you, not embarrass you. I want you to walk away strengthened, not shamed. And that all of us together, that we can approach these words with a humble heart, not necessarily with humiliation. And so here's what I want to do is I'm going to have these points and you're going to see a number by each one of them, but I don't want you to think of it an outline. I want you to think of each statement as a prayer. And so here is the first one. Here's the first prayer. Let me be a mother, or if you're not a mother, you can fill in any blank here. Let me be a parent. Let me be a father. Let me be a Christ follower. But today, let me be a mother who is shaped by my faith more than by my feelings. Peter says this. We're going to back up into the beginning of the chapter in verse 3. He says this. His, or God's, divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and good or glory and excellence. What I want you to do is I want you to circle or underline or highlight that phrase, all things. Because what he is saying here is pretty big. He's saying, look, that God in his divine power, he initiated to give you everything that you need pertaining to life. In some ways we can say, well, how could this be? 
Think of it this way. When a newborn baby is born, they are born, a healthy baby is born with everything that they need pertaining to life. They are born with a body, they're born with a heart, they're born with a brain, they're born with all the vital organs that they need to sustain life. At this point now, they simply have to grow. So it is with us. That is what he is saying here, that when we are born into the family of God, that God, by his divine power, has given to us everything that we need pertaining to life to grow. We simply then have to grow. But I know what happens at times we read scripture and it sounds like it's a really great spiritual truth and it almost sounds idealistic. And so what we do is we do this quantum leap over here into our life and we look at our landscape, which seems a lot more realistic and it seems as if the two don't go together. But what I want us to see today is this, that the scripture And our maturity as a mother is directly related to the godliness in which we are growing. When we look back at who has written this passage, it's Peter. And oftentimes when you want to read scripture and you want to interpret it correctly, go back and look at who the author is that is writing this. Peter, one of Jesus' 12 disciples, who very often was steered not by his faith, but by his feelings. Think with me, if you will, through even the New Testament and what you know about Peter and see if some of these statements don't ring a bell in even some of the stories that you know about him. Peter often rushed ahead, reacting in haste when he should have waited. He walked in faith right before he sank in doubt. He opened his mouth quite often and inserted his foot. He talked when he should have listened. He slept when he should have prayed. He declared his strength in Christ would not bend right before he broke. This is the guy. This is the guy who is telling us in our realistic lives, who is telling these people here that, listen, God has given you everything you need. He knows this because the same guy that broke and fell in his faith in Jesus Christ is also the same guy that got back up again. The same guy who preached the first message after Pentecost and thousands came to know Christ. The same God in whom Christ said, this is the guy that I am going to build my church. So as he's writing this, he's writing from a place that he knows. He knows that God has given him and equipped him and changed him, not just to function in his feelings, but to be steered in a much greater faith. If we look back up at this verse again, I love verse three. And the thing about this entire paragraph that we're going to be looking at today, it's incredibly dense. We won't even do it justice, I feel. But in verse three, we can almost ask questions as we go. His or God's divine power has granted to who? To us. Granted what? All things pertaining to life. Why or how? Through the knowledge of him who has called us. That word knowledge that can be used two different ways in scripture. At times it's gnosis, which simply just means information, truth that is, that we get just simply by absorption. But here the word that is being used is epignosis. And it has so much more intimate and experiential knowledge that we gain from Christ. You could think of it this way. When The child first came into your family, mom. You now had everything that you needed to be called a mom. 
and yet you still didn't know everything about being a mom. It is the same way with us as believers. When we are born into the family of God, when we become a follower of Christ, we have everything we need to be godly, yet we are still learning to be godly. There will be moments, however, that even in this pursuit of maturity, that we will react more in our feelings than in our faith. I remember one time I kind of lost it with our youngest son. Um, And uh, he looked at me and he said, uh, Mom, I don't really think that you're mad at me. I don't know what you're mad at. You're mad at something else, but you're not really mad at me. And he wasn't wrong. Like I was simply reacting from a place of feelings and emotions, not necessarily a place of godliness, a place that I was growing. But here's the thing. When we find ourselves in those situations, don't let the enemy hijack an opportunity for you to realize, moms, that that place where you're reacting from feelings really becomes a place for growth. So here's a second prayer. Let me be a mother who makes God's word a priority and not a triviality. In verse four, it says this, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. And what happens when you hold that baby at the very first time? Somebody eventually, it's usually a grandparent, is going to be getting in really close and going, oh, I think they look like me. Like they're asking, who do they look like, right? And then as that child gets older and they begin to have these characteristics and they begin to have these mannerisms, you begin to say, yeah, you got that from your dad. Or yeah, she took that after her mom. Like my daughter has a daughter that when I see her daughter, the temperament and the way she acts, I'm so tempted to say to my daughter, so how does it feel to raise yourself? And much like a child inherits this nature, become partakers of a nature. They inherit it from their parents. We too, as children of God, we were created in the image of God. We take on the very nature of God. And also, much like a child will spend time with a parent picking up even on the smallest of the idiosyncrasies, the more that we spend time with God, the more we learn and we pick up on his character. But how do we do that? Either God's word is trivial and it's non-essential Or God's word is reliable, dependable, and absolutely capable of not only making me into the Christ follower I need to be, but exemplifying that in a godly mother that I need to become. But moms, I know what happens when these little kids, were they not adorable, right? These little kids come into our life and all of their adorableness, they interrupt our normal. And we spend the rest of our lives trying to figure out what is normal now, right? And so what begins to go out first is often an intimate time that we spend with God. Moms, listen, in some ways I feel like I have to dance here because I know 
how hard it is to have small children and still find time to spend time in God's word. But let me encourage you, if I so could, in just a friendly accountability that it is of utmost importance that you find time to spend what Peter calls here his precious promises from which we learn to become partakers of the very nature of God. Because as we do, your children will begin to pick up on these things. Listen, let me give you a new normal. Here's what new normal could look like. It could look look, look like just carving out 15 minutes before the kids get up, even though I know how hard it can be. It might look like this, that when you carve out that 50 minute, 15 minutes, 50% of the time in the week, it's going to get interrupted. Listen, that three-year-old coming around, you're trying to have Bible time, looking at the Bible, give the kid a highlighter. You're marking your Bible. They're wanting to mark in it too. I promise you this. You can see the words through that highlighter, and eventually what that Bible will become will become a precious memory to you as a mom, but it will become a momentous lesson for your child who learned that the word of God is not a trivial thing in my mother's life. It was essential to everything that she was. My mom, mom, I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit. She, uh, I was in, I think, third grade, fourth grade, and she took it upon herself to lead, I don't know, maybe nine, eight, nine, ten of us. I can't remember entirely. You know how kids are. Like, they have great memories, but terrible interpreters of those memories. So I don't know. It could have been 25 for all I know. But she took it upon herself to do Bible drill with us, where we would learn to memorize Scripture, where we learn the books of the Bible. To this day, the verses that I know the most are the ones that I learned because of my mom. When Mike says, hey, turn to the book of Habakkuk, I know exactly where it is. I know the book that comes before it, and I know the book that is after it. Now, Mom, I want to ask you a question. She doesn't know I'm asking her this. Did your mom teach you how to study the Bible? Did your mom teach you to memorize Scripture? Did your mom teach you to learn the books of the Bible? So here's why I'm asking you this. Her answer was no, no, and no. Not to shame my grandmother, but simply to say this. I'm aware because I hear it a lot. No one discipled me. Therefore, I don't know what to do. No one taught me. Let me tell you this. I'm telling you simply 15 minutes a day. Get into the word of God and allow the word of God to get into you. As a follower of Christ, we have not just an opportunity, but an obligation to lay a foundation of spiritual formation in our children. Here's prayer number three. Let me be a mother who actively pursues maturity in Christ as an ongoing activity in my life and in my child's life. Like it's easier to look at our kids' life sometimes and say, well, we know that they're growing up, right? But we too are to be in this process of maturity. That's why Peter is writing to them. He's saying, look, you know the truth, but you are not producing it out. You are not reflecting the very nature of God. And so he is challenging them in verse five, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. Listen, that phrase, 
Make every effort. Mom, here's what I want you to hear. My effort in becoming a better mom is in direct proportion to my effort in growing as a child of God. I could put it this way. As I'm teaching my children, God is teaching me. As I'm disciplining my children, God is disciplining me. As I am raising my children, guess what, moms? God is raising up you. But we play an active part in this maturity. Peter is saying it's not just God's work. He's not subtracting God's sovereignty and the salvation that has been given to us. But he's saying, look, in this, in his sovereignty and in this calling that you have, we also have a responsibility to maturity. And so I want to ask you today, what does it look like in your life for you to put on these things that Peter lists out. He says, make every effort. And then he says, just supplement. That word supplement there, it means really this generosity, this overflowing, where we are putting on these characteristics, where he lists them out. He says, add to your faith these things, virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection. And then he ends with love. I want to focus on that last one for a moment because many times in the New Testament we see these lists because it was very important in the Greek culture. Paul gave us a list in Colossians and then at the very end of these lists of things that the believers were to put on, he said this, he said, but above all put on love. In 1 Corinthians when he wrote about love and he had all of these definitions of what love was, he said this, but the greater of these is love. So here's prayer number four. Let me be a mother who displays courageous love rather than cautious love. What we're talking about here is incredibly intimate. We've talked about God's word. We've talked about making that effort to put on maturity. But we are doing all of this because it is an experience in intimacy with God as we come to know him. And as we come to know him, then we display him more to our children. When we put on these qualities of steadfastness and goodness and godliness, yes, it is for our benefit, but think of it this way. You become a visible reality of God's goodness, of his faithfulness, of his love to your children. We need to have a courageous love and not a cautious love. And here's what I mean by this. When uh, we had moved to Africa and Caleb, our middle son, was about three years old, a kid had made this toy out of a trash milk carton and some old string, tied it, put some bottle caps on it, made it to a car, and gave it to our son. And we said, you know, Caleb, you probably should give him something. And Caleb had taken this little backpack with some little plastic men and Hot Wheels, and our son goes into the tent, and he gets... I know this won't mean anything to you, but it will to him. His Tyrannosaurus Rex. He carried the Tyrannosaurus Rex everywhere he went. It slept with him. It ate with him. It was in his pocket all the time. He went in and he got this toy. You know what my first thought was? Oh, we are going to have some sleepless nights if he gives that dinosaur away. And he took this dinosaur. He gave his best. But there was a part of me that I wanted to end it in caution. Moms, we need to have courageous love for our kids. We cannot rescue them all the time. I remember my youngest son, Josh, 
who struggled with dyslexia, who had a teacher in the third grade who gave him so much grace, like gave him half of the spelling words. But when he went to the fourth grade, his new teacher said, now I can't give him just half the spelling words because that wouldn't be fair to the other children. And God began to point out to me that even though I was getting frustrated with his new teacher, that you know the teacher over here displayed grace and the teacher over here displayed justness or being just and both are characteristics of God. Did God not have courageous love for us when he demonstrated his own love for us while we were still sinners? And yet Christ died for us. Number five, here's the prayer, and these are gonna go really fast. Number five, let me be a mother who gives grace because she remembers that she's been given grace. Let me be a mother who forgives because she remembers that she has been forgiven. I want to be a mom who can admit my own mistakes to my children. I want to be a mom who can own that I've messed up. But I want to be a mom that also knows how to forgive and to give grace to my children because I remember the grace and forgiveness that was given to me. Peter continues here in verse 8. He said, look, for if these qualities are yours and they're increasing, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. In verse 9, for whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind. Basically, he can only see what's right in front of him. Why? Having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. I know kids misbehave. I know they say things they shouldn't say. I know they disobey when you've asked them to do something. I know these things exist. Help your children walk through these giving the forgiveness and giving the grace because you remember too the sins of your own life and that God has forgiven you and he has bestowed upon you his grace. Here's number seven prayer. Let me be a mom who is focused on his significance rather than my own. Verse 10. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. Those are big words to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here again, we're finding this tension between the divine sovereignty and human responsibility. That yes, God in his sovereignty, he calls us, but in our humanity, what he is saying, demonstrate the calling. Demonstrate it to others. Demonstrate it in your family. Demonstrate it with your children. Elizabeth Elliot is one of my, I would call her a mentor, although I've only met her one time. I've read her books. I've listened to many of her messages. She spent time overseas, and you might know her story. Her husband, Jim Elliot, along with four other men, were martyred in the Aka tribe. But before all of that took place, I was listening to Elizabeth Elliot as she's reminiscing about what took place on that day. And this is what she said to Jim and to the other men after they had discovered the Aka Indians and were making a plan to fly in. She said this, Don't you think that it would make much better sense if a husband and wife with a baby would go down the river in a canoe? The Aka certainly would not feel threatened by a man and his wife and a baby. I'll do it. 
Jim, are you willing to do it? Her husband, Jim, said, I think that that is a great idea. Because we know the end of the story, many of us would consider her words to be absolutely foolishness. Because we know that ultimately the five men were killed. But I don't believe that Elizabeth was intending to be careless with her daughter, taking her daughter down a river in a canoe to a warring tribe. Rather, I think what she had on her heart was confidence in her God. That God's significance was more important to her. I can even hear possibly in this room, including maybe at times in my own heart, thinking I could never do that. And we straddle this place between parental caution and gospel confidence. Peter is encouraging them, and I would encourage you to listen. We are partakers of the very nature of God. We have been given everything pertaining to life and godliness. We simply have to grow. We simply have to reject passivity and accept the responsibility of growing in maturity and godliness. Here's the last one. Let me be a mother who contends for the souls of others. In verse 12, which we read at the beginning, I want to read them again through 15. Peter says this, Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them, and you are established in the truth that you have. I think it right, as long as I'm in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me, and I will make, I love this phrase, we see it again, I will make every effort so that at my departure you may be able at any time to recall these things. Listen. The older I get, the shorter life feels. Amen? Although none of us is guaranteed tomorrow. And I want to make every effort to deposit the truth of God's word into my children. But even more, I want to back it up with my life. I want to stir them to an experiential knowledge of Jesus Christ, to an intimacy of growing in maturity in him, to a knowledge of him that isn't just informational truth, but it's experiential truth. And the only way that I am going to do that is if I am making every effort to supplement my own faith, to take the responsibility to grow in maturity. And let's begin simply by doing it in God's word. There are many people, there's a book I've been reading called Devoted. Highly recommend it. And it simply goes through men of God and how they attribute who they are to their moms. D.L. Moody, well-known pastor, was raised by a single mom and attributes much of his spiritual maturity to his mom. Charles Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, he's been called, pretty much had an absentee dad who was too busy in the ministry. But the mom would sit him and his 10 brothers and sisters down. And it says this, he wrote, we would sit around the table and read verse by verse. And she explained the scriptures to us. Then came a mother's prayer. Some of the words we shall never forget, even when our hair is gray. 
Listen, I've heard it said this way, moms. Yes, pray in secret, but with the door open. John Newton, guy who went on to be a preacher, abolitionist, was raised by a mom who was gravely ill. And yet she mustered up enough energy that she could to pour into her only child. She died when he was seven years old. After that, he rebelled for quite some time. But when he came back to the faith, he attributed his returning to everything that his mother had taught him before he was seven. He said this, I was her only child, and she made it the chief pleasure of her life to instruct me and to bring me up in the admonition of the Lord. Augustine, maybe you've heard of, a spiritual father, wrote something called Confessions. It is said of him that as soon as he could speak, he, his mother taught him to lisp a prayer. He became rebellious at the age of 15, going with orgies and drunkenness and bragging about it. And if he didn't participate in it, he would just make it up to brag about it. And at the age of 33, just a few months before his mom died, in a divine circumstance, he was given the book of Romans. He read it. God changed his heart. He became a follower of Christ, was baptized. It said that he said this about his mom. She wept over me. That I might live in God's sight. He ran, but he could not outrun his mother's prayers. There's another man, you might not know his name. He was new to me. His name is Christopher Yuan. He's of Chinese descent. His mother was an atheist, having been raised in Taiwan. They came to America, and they had two boys. One rebelled, shaming the family, and so her hope was in Christopher. Until the day that he came home and he told his mom, I'm gay. An atheist mother shamed the family. He had gone off, and she made plans. She got on a train to go and to see her son, to tell him that he had shamed her and then to take her own life. Yet on the way, she was given a pamphlet. And in this pamphlet was a verse that said this, nothing can separate us from the love of God. She went to her son and she told him, son, it doesn't matter who you are, I will love you no matter what. And she spent the rest of her days praying and urging her family to come to Christ, so much so that it irritated him. And the more it irritated him, the more he would organize these other rallies, the more he would get into drugs until finally he was arrested for dealing drugs, to which his mother prayed, thank God that he's now safe because he was in jail. And she continued to pray for him. He picked up a Gideon Bible. He read it two or three times until one day he was laying down. He looked up at the top of the bunk and written underneath the bunk was a verse in Jeremiah that says, I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to prosper, not for you to fail. And he began to think about his own life. He gave his life to following Christ. And to this day, He speaks internationally, and he teaches at Moody Bible Institute. He said this of his mom. Mom is, and always will be, my prayer warrior. Perhaps the best ministry for a child who rejects Christianity and the church, which is happening more and more rapidly, 
is not an event or a planned program of the church, but the continual, private, bleeding knees, tear-filled prayers of a persevering mom. Moms, you have an opportunity um, that we want to provide for you beginning this week. Every day, we're going to send out to you a video telling how you can pray for your children. If you want to be a part, simply just text 97000, the number that we always use, and type in GPC Mom. And this week, you will be encouraged for seven days to pray for your kid. And it doesn't matter what season of life you're in or how old that your child is. We encourage you to participate and be a part. Listen, you've heard it said before that behind or beside every great man is a woman. But what if this? What if that woman isn't that man's wife? What if that woman is his mother? We have an opportunity that is given to us. First, Christ calls us to maturity in him. And as we grow in maturity in him, we begin to make visible to our children the goodness of God, the love of God, a God who desires to save them, to grow them, and for them too to also walk in truth. Let me pray. God, you are our foundation of everything. You have given us, by your divine power, everything that we need pertaining to life and godliness. God, you have given us your precious and great promises found in your word. God, I pray that we would be people who would steward it well. God, let us be people who make every effort to supplement our faith with excellence and goodness and steadfastness and godliness and brotherly love and love. God, I pray that we will be people who not only just talk about you, but God, because we are growing in maturity, actively pursuing you, we display and demonstrate you. God, I pray for the moms in here, no matter what season of life they are in and where they are at in their spiritual journey. God, I pray that you would use your word to speak to them, to draw near to them and for them to draw near to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Grace Point Church Podcast. To stay up to date on all things GPC, follow us at Grace Point NWA on Facebook or Instagram. As you go, be people who show and share Jesus in everyday conversations with everyday people. Live Scent.